Hey, everybody, and uh, and welcome, guys, to the Photographic Collective Podcast. Uh, y'all, my name is Miles Whitboyer. I am uh, I'm so excited that you're here today, excited that we get to have a candid chat. Um, guys, in, uh, in holding right now, I'm about to throw her on the screen. If you're on YouTube or if you're listening uh, on, on iTunes or Spotify, whatever, you're about to hear an interview, really just sort of a behind-the-scenes chat with one of my favorite photographers in the U.S. And that's not me just gloating uh, about her. This is a person that I truly, truly look up to uh, for her work and her her work ethic, but also just the uh, the ability that she's had to... Um, to reach across so many different cultural lines and create art that's just really, really beautiful. So before I introduce Charmy Pena, um, I want to just say briefly uh, the purpose of the podcast. And, and I want to I always harp this in so that you guys can remember why you're here. The purpose of this podcast is really three things. One, we want to empower you to make more positive, more intentional, more purpose-filled decisions with your art and with your business. Two, we want to encourage you to up-level your client experience and bring more to the industry as well as more to your life. And then three, we want to send you home after every episode with actionable ways that you can integrate these two ideas into what you're doing and, uh, and really affect the community in more positive ways. And so guys, uh, I'm so excited to like officially bring, um, Charmy in here. And, uh, and so I'm going to switch over to the screen where you can see her better, but Hey, Charmy, what's going on? Hi, thanks for having me. Are you kidding? Thank you for being on here. So, um, Charmy, let me let me have you. I always love to do this anyway because people describe themselves in such uniquely beautiful ways. I want you to tell us who you are from your lips. Hmm. Um, I'm Charmy Patel Pena. I am a wedding photographer based out of Princeton, New Jersey. Um. I'm also an elected official and a mom of two like really loud boys. Um, And we kind of have like a split life right now because my husband works in New York City and we live in New Jersey. And so uh, he's starting to go back to work. And so we will sometimes go with him. It really depends. Um, Yeah, that's me. That's my chaos, at least. No, I think that, that actually beautifully sums it up uh, because here, here's the cool thing for me about you is, as you know, behind the scenes, obviously, right before we started recording, we're talking a little bit about all of the things that you have kind of going on in your life. And it's funny, I, I, way too often you click into photographers podcasts, right? And everything is about the work or like the cameras or the gear or the, the right. And I love your reaction. And the fact that you just did that and rolled your eyes, everyone that's listening the magic has nothing to do with that stuff. And yet the magic like in your work is so perfectly evident. I think it's probably the chaos. Am I right? Like, I think, I think that's what, that's what feeds it. I a hundred percent thrive on chaos. That's actually really true. <laughs> How do you know that? Um, obviously I love good gear and I love gear that lets me be more me, right? Gear is great. Uh, any gear that gives me tools to like, forget that I'm holding gear. Awesome. Love that. But yeah, I think it's um, the situations I end up in. Uh, I mean, we've never talked about some of the dramatic weddings that I've shot. Like dramatic for me as a photographer. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's the chaos. I, I love, you know, I've had other people tell me that they couldn't shoot weddings like mine, that they just couldn't do it, that they don't want to, they just wouldn't survive it. Um, and I, I'm always like, what do you mean? That's, that's so weird. It's just a wedding. But no. If I like watched myself on a wedding day, I would understand that it's just pure chaos all day. Uh, yeah, and 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 I think it it absolutely is. So let me okay, let me back up then. Let me take before we actually dig like into the actual photography. I want to hear then where where does that come from for you? Like where is this uh, aside from the art and the like desire to capture it for people? Where yeah. does this attraction to chaos stem? Um, I think that my culture, first of all, like Indian culture, I don't only shoot Indian weddings, but a lot of ethnic cultures, I think like have a little bit of this, um, you know, when you're watching someone not speaking your language and you think they're yelling at each other, um, but they're really not, they're just saying lovely things to each other. Every Indian wedding that I shoot. Right. So just like my culture literally 
is that like there could be 12 people in a kitchen and it sounds like they're having this gigantic fight, but nobody's fighting. Like it's just loud love. Um, and so I grew up in loud love and now I go to weddings in loud love and I like it. <laughs> okay. I, I like, I'm fascinated because now we, we just, uh, we just let the cat out of the bag for, for anybody, obviously, like if you don't know who Charmy Patel Pena is, you have been either living under a rock or I'm about to just blow, come on. Like I, I'm about to blow people's minds when we click over and actually start looking through your work. But I, I want to ask then, how did you, um, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on origin stories because I think they're overplayed, but how did you fall into this role as a, as a full-time wedding photographer? And then second part to that question, how long did it take you to find, like fall in love with, um, really these, these multicultural, I mean, like you said, you don't just shoot Indian weddings. So you shoot this broad range of marriage. How, how did that come to play for you? Um, so I'll make it really quick. My, wow. Getting started is hard. I promise once I get started, we'll make it really quick. (laughs) On my wedding day, 15 years ago, my husband handed me a camera 15, 16 years ago at this point, handed me a camera. I was like, uh, happy wedding day. Here's a camera. And I was like, well, I don't know how to use it. So I'm going to just put it in the back of the closet. Thank you though. And, um, I looked for a job because I was looking for a job at the time and I have two degrees in economics and information technology and uh, every job is a cubicle job and I'm not a cubicle girl. And so I kept looking for some unicorn job that would let me be me all the time and let me get sunlight because I'm a person who gets super miserable in dark. And, um, and my husband then you know, got annoyed that I was such a bored housewife who was harassing him to hang out with me because I I was terrible. Like bonbons and soap operas just didn't cut it for me. Um, and he bought me a book. He bought me Brian Peterson's Understanding Exposure. And literally I did the exercises in that book where you like shoot yourself in the reflection of your car mirror as you drive away and like shoot a bunch of rocks, learn about Boca. I don't know. All those whatever things. And I thought I was going to be a kid photographer because I was like, I was a bride once. Brides are crazy. I don't do that. Um, I shot one set of twins whose work friend was like, I want you to shoot my wedding. I said, no, she was like, no, no, you're going to do it. She convinced me. I did it. It was published in the knot and it just basic. So, 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 so subtle there, by the way, I, we should slow down. So the very first wedding you ever shot was published in the largest publication that there is. Um, I didn't submit it. The bride did, <laughs> but, but yes, it was two images. Um, and cause it was the on the best her- humble brag ever right there, <laughs> by the way, uh, it was on the bride's parents farm. Um, and so it was an American wedding and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't even like the niche that I would end up in to some degree. Um, but it just like rolled from there. Like it's uh, my business has always been a hundred percent referral based, a hundred percent word of mouth. I do advertise in one place maybe, but I do it for my SEO. (laughs) I don't do it for any other reason. Um, yeah, I just, I fell into it. And like, I think that my personality and my work just meshes best with loud, crazy chaos. Um, Cause I can find the peace in the chaos, I think. Um, I mean, you tell me. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, okay. So that, that segues us perfectly because I like, I want to talk a little bit about what the last year has been like for you and all of that. But before we get to that, um, I'm actually going to put up, if those of you guys that are, that end up watching this on YouTube, I'm actually going to pull up, um, Charmy's website because, I want you guys to see what, what I'm talking about here as I, as I kind of scroll. Charmy has this ability to take texture and color and composition, and we keep using the word chaos, but the reality is that the, it's, not, it's not chaos. It's just movement, like remarkable amounts of movement that I think most photographers would be so intimidated by. And for some reason, you just have this remarkable ability to compose into the movement. And, uh, and that for me is, 
it really is one of the most, um, one of the most beautiful examples of, of like modern wedding photography I can actually think of. Um, and, and so that, that is a compliment, but, but there comes a question with it. Yeah. And, and here's why we've all seen, and this is nothing against, nothing against all these groups, but we've all seen the rise of, uh, and, and then sort of like decline of things like, um, like the tribes and the looks like films and, the um, the fearless groups and, you know, like not to, not to talk poorly, but what they, what they end up doing is basically creating these micro cultures of mimicry. Yes. Does that, does that make sense? Is that fair? I I hope I'm not talking out of, of play there. No, I think it does eventually get there. I think it all starts as this like really authentic, beautiful thing. And then it does become a microculture of mimicry until the yeah. next thing. And so there are always going to be these like leaders who are creating. I think that definitely there are times where I look at people's work. And I'm like, oh my God, look at that. Like, why doesn't my work look like that? And then I'll go to edit a wedding and I'll be like, Hmm. Maybe I'll maybe I'll edit a little differently and like see how that look would look on my work, or you know, compose my work a little differently because I'm trying to be a little more daring or something. But in the end, I always return to being me because nothing else works for me. So I I maybe like waste 15 minutes in Lightroom twice a year trying to be someone else. <laughs> And then, and then I decide I'm only me. And so I'll just go back to being me. Um, and I think that's you know, served me pretty well. And I, I adore that about your work. I think one of the things that's the most interesting to me is how dynamic your compositions are. And the reason I bring up those groups is because I see um, these trends of photographers that suddenly become obsessed with movement or suddenly become obsessed with, with, you know, kind of like the street photographer's role at a wedding or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But you have this dynamic compositional eye that allows depth and texture into a wedding in a way that I don't, I can't think of another photographer, at least another, um, you know, modern wedding photographer that, that does anything even reasonably similar. So do you have like, did you have early influences or education or where, where did this come from for you? <laughs> oh, I don't want to say that it just came from me because that sounds terrible and it didn't. No, it doesn't. No, 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 it doesn't. I, I think organic artists grow in and of themselves. From myself, But I will say that like I would cherry pick the things that I needed to learn from people. And I definitely learned a lot from a lot of different people. Um, I think something that's interesting, an interesting part of my story is that, uh, as you know, I'm an icon ambassador and uh, there are only two big workshops I ever took. Jerry Guiones and Cliff Motter. Um, I did take other smaller ones. Like I took, I took a workshop with Paul Giraud, Um, and that was the one that I think probably changed my life the most. Um, and that was, that was probably like 13, 14 years ago. It was when I was first starting. And, uh, what I liked about his work is that he used to be a newspaper photographer and that's how he saw the world really authentically. And, um, I am a wedding photographer. I'm not saying I never talk to my clients, but talking to him and learning from him helped me appreciate leaning into the chaos instead of trying to make the chaos better. Um, and that's something big I took from him, um, because, there are times at a wedding you have to make the chaos better. When I'm photographing family formals after the ceremony, I have to involve myself in quelling the chaos because I have a job to get done and formals are important because I'm a wedding photographer. Um, but there are times where the chaos doesn't need to be made better by me. And I, I'm kind of a problem solver and a fixer by nature. And so that learning that from Paul to just embrace the chaos and lean into it instead. I think that probably changed a lot of my view for the rest of my career. Um, mm. And then there were like little things that I needed to learn. And like, like the first time I really understood flash photography was Cliff Montner's workshop. And, um, and Jerry Guiones taught me the biggest thing I took from Jerry is, uh, Start, I started to be a little more unapologetic. Um, for example, 
when people would buy an album for me in the past and they'd be like, Oh my God, we need 80 spreads to get all the photos we want and we can't afford it or whatever. Uh, a part of me would be like, Oh, well, what can I do to help you get all these photos in there and afford it? Like, what's your budget? I don't know. He helped me change the way I talk. And now when people are like, well, we can't, we, we love all these photos and we, we didn't want to spend this much money. I basically apologize for giving them such great photos. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, I think, I think there's so many others too, where I just like took, took a nugget. And I think that's important for a lot of people to consider is in your, instead of trying to be someone else who you admire, like, Take, take the nuggets that you need and take the nuggets that apply to who you already are. Okay. That's, that's absolutely beautifully put. I, I will say, um, but at different times in the last several years, I've found myself over on your work, um, just sort of scrolling through and looking at, at what you create and how you create it and, and realizing that there's something about, um, about the way that you shoot, that feels like it exists sort of outside of the, the modern comparisons. Um, and, and that's why I really wanted to have this conversation with you. Um, and then, and then kind of go into this last year and how it's affected you and how, how you internalize all of that pressure that I know you end up putting on yourself because I see that a lot in myself and, uh, and, 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 and here's where, here's what I mean. I have spent the last 10 years, 15 years now as a wedding photographer determined to pull the nuggets, but not to allow somebody to shape me. Like I want to shape me. So tell me, tell me that I'm not alone though. When you feel, man, when that weight hits and you feel like you have been running a sprint alone, completely alone without any map of, uh, as to where the race is going. Am, yeah. am I right? Like, okay. Uh, I mean, this year has been, well, you know, more than your, <laughs> you know, more than your listeners do, but we can tell them I, all about it. I'm, I'm turning well, I, the light. <laughs> I, I, I do, but here's, here's where I wanted to go with this though, is because, okay. So you, you, you said that, um, you, you totally thrive in chaos. Also yeah. your, your culture is very loud, very outspoken, very opinionated. Yes. And, um, and so how do you take, how has Charmy Patel Pena, like how has, how has you as an artist, how have you taken this type A assertive go get them like attack the industry brand into the dead halt of, of the last year. Um, and then back into now the floodgates being opened. Like what has this felt like for you? Uh, I'm going to be super honest and it's going to make people a little uncomfortable. I think I doubt it. Uh, so March 13th is my, was my kid's last day of school. March 13th, 2020 was my kid's last day of school. And my first wedding that year would have been March 21st, the Saturday afterwards. Um, and So they stopped going to school and I spent that following week, the first week of their virtual learning on the phone with one bride after another rescheduling because my wedding season started mid-March and I had easily 22, 23 weddings booked for the year. I tried to keep my numbers lowered these days. I'm not always very good at it, Um, but I'm doing better now um, because of everything that I just experienced. Um, So easily had 20, 22 weddings for the year. The first 10 had to be rescheduled almost immediately because we knew that it wasn't going to happen. Um, can I tell you that like after that week was over and I realized that like I'm a saver by nature. And so I had, I had good amount of money saved. Um, I didn't take PPP because of that. Um, uh, I wasn't sure they wouldn't make me pay it back. So I didn't dig it. (laughs) Um, But, you know, once I realized I was okay, I was relieved. Like, and that sounds terrible because people were dying. And like, I had five friends bury their fathers in that March. And that's never who all died of COVID. Like, it's a nightmare, obviously. But like internally in my four walls, 
I was relieved that I wasn't going to be like working back to back to back to back weekends. And I spent the year like probably smothering my kids and my husband (laughs) because uh, I've never had a summer where I was with them on the weekends. Never. Like my kids are nine and 12. My business was thriving before they came into this world. And so I've never spent a summer with my kids, right? Like they go to camp Monday through Friday and then I'm gone on the weekends. Um, And so maybe I'll have a weekend off here and there, but that's rare. It's not real. Like it's not a summer, it's a weekend. Um, And so for, for me, 2020 was like this realization of like, yes, I wasn't traveling with my family and I wasn't seeing my extended family, but like, look at what you've been missing. Like this is what you've been missing. And it was a wake up call. But all that time, we like really didn't know when things would open. We didn't know when they would get worse. We didn't know when they would get better. Like we just didn't know what was happening, right? We didn't have a solution. We didn't have vaccines back then. So through 2020, I had optimistic new couples that were booking for 2021. And then I had these 2020 early reschedulers that went to the fall. I mean, this is the situation for everybody, I'm sure. Um, they went to the fall and then from the fall, they rescheduled again into 2021. And then the original fall 2020s rescheduled into 2021. So 2021 became two years in one, if not more, frankly. And, uh, and I shot so many weddings this year that my body decided to reject my behavior. (laughs) Um, so for the last I think it's now seven and a half weeks. I've had hives every single day um, and I'm not allergic to anything. Uh, I just, uh, they're stress induced and uh, I need to calm down, (laughs) which is not easy to do because I still have weddings to go and I'm a sucker. This, this doesn't help. So every time I say like, I'm done, I can't take any more for this year. Somebody will call me with like a, here's why I can only have you shoot my wedding sob story. And I'm a sucker and I will do it. (laughs) So I should only have one wedding left this Saturday, but today I got a text from somebody who's getting married November 21st and can only have me do it. So I'm going to do it. But Honestly, I, I want you to hear me say this like uh, more as a friend than as the guy on the other end of the podcast. Yeah. You know, I, I think the, the one lesson that maybe I learned, I hope that we learned uh, in, the, in the last year is that it's, it's okay for you to have a different experience than, than someone else, right? Um, your, your reaction to, to the stress and the pressures of COVID um, like that's, it's okay that it's different than, yeah. than everyone else's. It's okay to feel relieved. I actually felt the same way and, and felt so guilty again. Right. I, I, but it was like, man, I never get to spend that time with my kids. I, I, I school got canceled and, and suddenly my wife and I got to teach pre-K. Wow. Um, and I got to do nature walks with my little guy and there was nowhere to go and there was nothing to do. And I felt so um, helpless for the people that were hurting. And at the same time, I felt so present for the first time in probably my adult life. Yeah. Um, and, and then you're right. Then the floodgates poured open and it was like this giant wound was exposed that, that we had, we had, it had just started to heal. Um, so I guess my my next question then for you would be how do you create as a as an artist because it's what you are like you're you're not a you're not a documentarian you're not a um photojournalist those those people can also be artistic and and so not to belittle there but you create art intentionally create art how do you continue to come back to a place where your soul is fed by something that is also sort of slowly killing you? (laughs) Yeah. So I think, um, I think something I end up saying at weddings a lot, 
um, it happens more. Uh, this comes out of my mouth more often when there's like a vendor dispute. Uh, <laughs> is that I didn't choose this career to be miserable. Like I didn't choose to be a part of weddings that are full of like joy and happiness, so that I could go to work and be grumpy and miserable. And and that's not to say like. I have these two besties that are my cinematographer friends um, who I'm with almost all the time. And we constantly like, you know, grumble to each other. <laughs> and like, we never complain to anyone outside, but it's, it's almost like a faux misery loves company situation. And so I'm not saying I like never have anything negative to say, but in general I go because I love it and I want to make stuff and I want to be there and I want to be happy and it's like a happy place. Weddings are a happy place or they should be. Um, But I think that when you're overworked, it can become, you become like a robot version of yourself and you can still create good work. But are you making, are you making art? Are you making something new? Are you using that part of, are you flexing that muscle in your, in your repertoire? Because, because I feel like, um, when you're burned out that maybe you're not, maybe you're just the best version of yourself on repeat, not like a newer best version of yourself, which if you're like me, you want to keep being better and you want to keep making new stuff that you're really proud of, at least for the 10 minutes that you're proud of it before you're like, Oh man, I see. But, (laughs) but I don't know that you can do that when you're super, super burned out. So I have made a series of decisions, um, which obviously if I'm taking on a wedding in three weeks, that sometimes I'm breaking, um, that that's my kids and my niece and nephew, uh, and uh, my two nieces. And I have a couple nephew photos in here. Um, but this is what I want to be doing the majority of weekends. And so I have made, some serious adjustments to uh, how I'm going to work going forward. In that photo is my grandmother. And my grandmother passed away during COVID, not of COVID, but during. And, uh, you know, we hadn't really seen her in six months. She usually, my parents would travel and she would live with us. And so my kids are so lucky. They had their great grandparent with them for so many years. Um, But you know, we missed out on those last nine months because we were staying away from her to protect her. And, um, and I just, I, all of those, all of that experience and then being thrown into like, just being away from everybody every weekend and then not, not feeling like I'm the best version of myself, but the robot version of myself at weddings. Um, yeah, made a lot of changes. So change number one, I will only take 10 to 12 weddings a year. So I'm full for 2023, like 2020. That's beautiful. And I'm getting close to full for 2023. And that's fine. Um, I made myself a minimum amount that you have to, a minimum spend for certain weekends. So if you want me to work on Labor Day, I have an $18,000 minimum spend. And I'll help you figure out how you're going to spend the minimum. Mm-hmm. But I'm either making that much money that weekend or I'm not giving up that weekend. And someone already booked it over the minimum. So I think that's going to work. And that's going to give me the opportunity to take even fewer weekends. Um, I already outsourced my album design to somebody who does virtual viewings with my clients. She does the design based on like, you know, my vibe. Um, And she does the sales and she just sends me a, here's what to order and here's how much to bill them. And it's great. Mm. And I'm also taking August and July off next year and forever. Good. I'm never going to work in July and August ever again. Is that crazy? Mm-hmm. I Everyone thinks it's nuts. Everyone's like, but that's wedding season. So those of you guys that are in, in like a podcast platform, like, uh, like iTunes or Spotify or, or wherever Google, um, that, that aren't over on YouTube, you just missed, um, I was scrolling through photos uh, from from Charmy's website of uh, of her family while she's talking about this stuff, and just seeing your face change um, <laughs> while you're talking about this because because I asked you a really pointed question, right? I, I went back and I said, how do you how do you continue to create from like a posture of of an artist? Yeah, um, you know when 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 just the act of doing it is kind of pulling pulling your soul out of your body, right? And 
your answer was is beautiful. You guys, what she has done is she has created um, she's created a safe place to where she can create when she is inside that and not feel guilty for climbing in there. And uh, so, Charmy, thank you. Like the best advice ever. The reason I ask that though, um, so I'm not sure if you're even a member of my Facebook group or not, but I asked the other day, I mentioned a thing the other day about feeling a little stressed because, and I'm about to give you hives again. Are you ready? Um, Oh no, wait, you already know this. I think I told you this. No, maybe not. Um, I just booked my seventh wedding for April of 22, seven in one month. Um, but it, uh, but three of them, to be clear, three of them are the situation that you just said, which is like, they're just adorable, kind people. Um, and it's not like, I think so highly of myself that I think somebody else couldn't do a fantastic job. It's just, I don't want to miss that wedding because I love them. Like I want to see them happy and, and I know I'll do a good job. I'm sure somebody else would, but I know that I will for them. Right. Okay. But (laughs) I I mentioned that the other day in my Facebook group and the reaction that I got from one particular person who will likely hear, hear this podcast and that's okay. Was, you know, start training now. It's basically a marathon. Like you'll be okay. Um, you know, hire a gardener and a, uh, a housekeeper and set your schedule and just, just plan to be stressed out. Here's my problem with that. And, and you just answered it beautifully because I, I knew that you and I would align on this. You can't put a paintbrush in an artist's hands and say, you must, you must create seven masterpieces in the next two weeks. You can't put a guitar in a musician's hands and say, the album must be done by next week. You can't do that and expect that they turn out their best work. And yet the industry that we're in, we back ourselves into these corners and then we treat it like a marathon, like we're putting in the reps. I don't want to put in the reps anymore. Yeah. I I want to create, I want to do something that's beautiful and artistic and I want to get paid enough money that the next time I sit down with a paintbrush, I can afford to take my time and do it right. Yes. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm going to, Again, people may cringe a little bit when they hear this, but um, the bride that's hiring me for November 21st, she was um, she was bemoaning my pricing a little bit um, because it's strict. Uh, okay. I don't bend it for anybody anymore. It's just not happening. I'd rather just sleep all day with my kids. Um, so... <laughs> So she, she was bemoaning the pricing a little bit and she's like, oh, I should have gotten in the wedding industry. You guys just, the pricing is exorbitant. And I didn't feel like I had to defend myself, but I did just feel like I had this opportunity to explain to somebody who is going to, she's in the press. Um, but I have this opportunity to explain to someone that this is not just like a price gouging situation. I'm not taking advantage of the fact that your wedding is in two weeks. Um, and, I, and, and I started to tell her like, look, when I started 15 years ago, I charged $3,500 for eight hours. And, um, and you hear those horror stories on the news about photographers who don't ever deliver photos. And that's because they had growing pains and they took too many weddings because their price point was whatever their price point was. They just, they just took on too much and then they couldn't meet it. And instead of meeting it late, you know, some people think that like meeting it never and avoiding it forever is better than meeting things late. And, and that happens all the time and you see it on news. And I told her that I never wanted to become that person. And so that, so basically every time I was overwhelmed, I raised my prices and that was how I made my pricing decisions. I did not, I know people be embarrassed if you want to, but I did not do a cost of goods. Every time I raised my prices, I raised my prices based on demand. And if the demand was too much for my life to keep up with, my prices had to go up. And that is literally how I've raised my prices through my career. And then I told her that. And then the words came out of my mouth. I was like, every time I wanted to die, I raised my prices. <laughs> and uh, she, uh, something about that was her vibe. And she was like, I totally understand. That totally makes sense. Also, I'm hiring you. <laughs> so 
Yeah. I think, I think that what, what happened was, was you just, you found a, you found a place where you could be organic, like you could be authentic with people. Right. And, and, and that's the hardest thing. I, um, I say this all the time, whether we're doing mentorships or, or in the Facebook group or even on this podcast, but I say frequently, like we have to prioritize ourselves as a service industry over being a product industry. Like people purchase the photographer long before they ever see the photography. And so it's our relationships. Yeah. It's, right, I think a lot it, of people it, never even look at my work at first. Like they saw a couple photos from their friends' weddings and they like those. But then they follow me on Instagram and they start to like me as a human being. Yeah. I mean, I did. I don't know how else to say. Can I say that? Like, I, I mean, I did that, but I, but I really did. I, I followed along for long enough to be like, okay, I have, I can sift through the BS of photographers that, that are just capable but, uh, but you, you're more than capable, you're human. And there's something really beautiful about that. Um, and, and it's brought me into where I wanted, you know, like I, I try and sort of stay in this, um, you know, not, maybe not the splash, but in the ripples, like I kind of want to know what's going on with, with Charmy's life. And so I'm, I'm really happy that, um, <laughs> or, that I get to expose. Um, okay. Yeah, that's true. It, it is going to happen. Okay. So I want to, I want to then dive, like, let's go, let's go straight head on into the, um, who I was going to say the pink elephant, but too soon because you do Indian weddings. Um, (laughs) I, I, whoa, (laughs) and miles just got canceled. Um, but I really do. I want to talk about, about this, uh, this beautiful thing that you shoot, and I know it's not all that you shoot, but this, the, but it is, it's, it's what you, it's what you have leveraged and created your name with. Yeah. When, when you roll into a wedding that is just clad with jewelry and texture and shine and tradition and so many things that the industry at large, especially the Western energy, it, energy, uh, industry has really stripped away, right? Everything has become monochromatic. Everything yeah. has become minimalist. Everything has become, um, you know, like very, uh, almost like, um, emotionally inept poses, right? Like you are leaning into everything else, all the other stuff. What is it like? And I love that your kids are home getting home. To the right now. What, what is it like? Walk us through that feeling of walking into a wedding with a thousand people that are all just um, just celebrating in such a polar opposite way than what most wedding photographers are used to. You know, I think for me, though, that ends up being a matter of like, I don't know any different because I was born into that culture. I was raised in that culture. Like we have a festival called Navratri. I'm a, I'm Gujarati, which is a specific, you know, from a specific state in India and that state in India, every October, November before Diwali, we have this festival called Navratri. And so literally like in New Jersey during my childhood, they used to put up these gigantic tents. And I mean like bigger than a football field, way bigger than a football field gigantic tents and we would literally dance for hours every night and be extra together like we dress up in super formal clothes and go and dance and like and we do that for several nights several weekends like the culture that I was raised in even though I was raised here is that chaos and so I don't know any different like I do know different because obviously I shoot American weddings yeah but sometimes I'm bored well (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that, that was going to be my point is I, you know, I, I shot, I shot the, um, a wedding last year that I was sending you over photos while I was at it. Cause I was like, what the actual <laughs> F is happening right now? Um, I'm like, somebody clue me in because on one hand, I'm such a, um, I should preface this by saying my dad, I was raised by an anthropologist. So I am um, I'm fascinated, completely fascinated by cultural norm and different cultural expressions. Yeah. And just even the way, even not uh, aside from the idea of marriage, even the concept of love changes drastically across okay. different cultures, right? Um, and so, but I'm sitting at this wedding and this is I, by no means the first Indian wedding I've ever shot, but it is probably the, the most authentically Indian wedding I've ever shot that didn't have more Western influence to it. And, um, 
And I'm suddenly realizing how often I, as an artist, lean into what I understand or maybe my worldview or I'm planning ahead. I'm creating compositions or concepts, all kinds of artistic decisions that in this situation I could not make, right? I was simply reacting. And have you done more than one at this point? Yes, I've 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 shot five or six, but not. I mean, come on, I've done five hundred weddings, and so for me to say five or six, (laughs) still way out of my head. They're not all the same, right? Like every single one, you. There's no such thing as like preparation. Like I plan to take this shot. Like they're all they're all different. Mm, So that gets me exactly to the question I was going to ask: How in the heck? Like, teach me, please. (laughs) How in the heck do you get these? incredibly composed photographs, these remarkably composed photographs of a moment that there was, there was no structure to it. It was, it was cultural chaos. And somehow you created boundaries through which as long as it happened within this frame, you were ready for it. So I think um, part of it is that I do know the culture in inside and out. And so I have enough knowledge to know when to be prepared that something may not happen and that something may happen and and I know enough about the culture and at this point I understand enough wedding language from like five or six different languages um to know when to be ready for any given thing Um, the other thing is my camera is generally to my face or I'm looking around looking for feelings. Like I, I try to put aside the chaos and I focus in and I'm always observing for the feelings. And so I'm just always looking for like, who's happy, who's like, I I nail down who my emotive wedding guests or people are pretty early and I keep an eye on them. Mm. (laughs) I love that. So, so what I ended up doing, um, again, over on YouTube, we're just scrolling through dozens of photos right now so that you can see what I'm talking about. But what I ended up doing at this, at this particular wedding, if I'm honest, is I ended up sort of forcing myself to have, um, a little bit of like an out of body experience that I remember having. And the reason I asked such a pointed question, I remember having these experiences early on in my career when I wasn't quite so aware as to what I can do or what I'm capable of or what my gear does or whatever, where I basically just put myself in the, the closest proximity that I possibly can to where action is Yeah, with a, with a nice wide lens. And then it was like a black hole effect. I just try and disappear, but right in the middle. Yeah. And I think a solid strategy. what's that? I think that's a solid strategy. Um, yeah. And it, and it totally worked. It was, it was really interesting. Cause I went from the like six two white guy in a suit to just being, I was just a ghost and I was suddenly, I was surrounded by color and texture and it was, it was really cool, but it was super overwhelming at first. If I'm, if I'm honest, um, And, uh, but I, I just couldn't, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't get you on the other end of a call without asking you, um, like, give me the, give me the secret. And the secret is, um, I am this six, two white guy. And so (laughs) know your role miles. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I, I think the other thing is just like our brains work and the, this is going to sound terrible. Let's run with it. No, Every go. now and then I will complain to people like I have this, I have a consistent second shooter who I trained myself now. So I do, this doesn't happen much anymore, but you know, in the past I would hire second shooters after my husband used to second shoot for me in the beginning. And then when he left, um, cause we had kids and somebody had to be a parent on the weekends. Um, I would hire people and I was always really careful to hire people whose work looked good and own their own business. I didn't really do a lot of like, I'm a professional second shooter kind of stuff. Right. But then I would look at their frames when I got them back and I'd be like, what was going through your mind when you shot like all of this? And there would be a lot of extraneous chaos in all the photos. Like they would see what's happening and they would take so many steps back away from it. And 
I don't think my brain has ever understood that. Like for me, I see it, I get closer. And for them, they see it, they, they step away. And I can see it in their frames. And, and I think that's just a, that's just like a, a, that's just who you are. And the fact that you put on a wide lens and got in it has more to do with who you are translating to your compositions and who I am translating to my compositions than it does with just knowing what a good photo looks like. Does that make sense? Good. Well, yeah, beautiful. But I, it, it also takes us back a little bit, so, uh, oddly full circle then for me to say, if, if your, your attraction or maybe your, um, your ability to thrive in chaos allows you to feel safe inside of it, right? Like it pulls you in, it pulls you deeper. Then that, that totally explains and expresses why, you know, having a year at home with your kids during a pandemic felt like a, a release, right. Or why, um, you know, having these extended periods of time where you're, you know, that you're overbooked, like, you know, that you can't lean in the way that you want to. Yeah. Um, so it says a lot about you as an artist. I think that's, I think that's where I'm getting to is it feels as though without you saying it, maybe the thing that makes you so special is your ability to lean into the situation that you're at. And whether that's with a camera or as a mom or as a wife, you know, you're, you're just more present than you are perfect. Oh, I like that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't think I've ever heard my personality put that way, but that makes so much sense. Well, there so you go. What's that? I said, so are you my therapist now? <laughs> I am. This has been Dr. Phil's Photographic <laughs> Collective podcast. Um, no, I, you know, what I, what I am is I'm fascinated and, and that's what, why this podcast exists, frankly. I'm fascinated with the fact that over the course of the last 10 years, I've built relationships Um, most of them either via texts or calls or conferences or DMS with a few of the most unquestionably, the most influential photographers in that are alive right now, yourself included. And yet, uh, those relationships have very little to do with photography. Work. Oh, we never talk about work. Um, and, (laughs) but what I'm fascinated by is, is having the opportunity to, to expose like, what is it about Charmy Pena? What is it about Paul Von Reeder? What is it like, what is it about these people that succeed in an industry full of talented people that, that opens those doors, you know, cause it's not Jason Vincent's use of flash that makes him fascinating. And it's not Pygersa's, um, you know, compositional that like, that's not it. That's not the secret ingredient. The secret yeah. ingredient for you that we just got to is the fact that you you want to be a mom, you want to be a wife, you want to be a friend. And when you can be those things for your clients, you want to be there. And when yeah. you can't, you don't want to be there. Then I don't want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's a lesson to take away from here, I do think whatever your personality type is, it's important to structure your business, the type of business we have. I'm not saying every business should be planned around your personality type. Like, but the type of business we have where we need to be at a certain place in our bodies, you know, you said something about our soul being in our bodies, but that, that we need to optimize that if we're going to do our best work. So then we need to think about how am I structuring my business? What kind of work am I accepting and doing? What am I pursuing so that I can be at my best in all the situations that I want to be a part of? And so that's, that's why I created these like new boundaries that are really strict because my hope is that these new boundaries mean that like my, my personal cup is always full because then I can be at a wedding and like pour from it. Yeah. I, I, I said this on, um, on another podcast that I was a guest, uh, on a few weeks ago, but I, I told the story that, um, this coming weekend, so Saturday, um, in just uh, a few days, is my nine-year-old's 10th birthday. And I don't know why 
Um, I, I'm not really sure why this is. I don't remember a lot of my childhood and that we could get real deep into that. But I remember my 10th birthday really, really clearly. And I remember my dad making a big deal at the time. Um, he's such an intellectual and such a dork, but making a big deal about the fact that I would, I would probably never see three digits in my age and I would never again see one digit. And so to turn 10 means that like something, you know, pivotal had just happened in my life. Anyway, I'm shooting a wedding on my son's 10th birthday. And it's not, it is local. Thank goodness I'm not traveling, but it's also not a short wedding and it's not a small wedding. It's not the type of thing that I can like duck out and get done and get back. Um, I'm going to miss my son's 10th birthday and the party on Sunday is going to be fantastic, but he will already be 10. And the, you know, the special breakfast I'll make for him before, before school on Friday is fantastic, but he'll still be nine. I think one thing that needs to be said in this industry right now is that while we serve and love and live and we get sponsors and we try new things and we succeed, um, there's people waiting at home for us to like celebrate with them. And man, all of the ambassador spots and all of the keynoting and all of the stuff it doesn't take away the fact that like I won't get that experience with my 10 year old that I had with my dad and I hate it. Yeah. I will tell you, I'm not even going to pretend that I haven't done the same thing many different times. Cause I have, I've definitely missed kid birthdays. I got my kid a freaking PS five this year for $800 instead of the 400 it should cost because I was going to be away for his, not his actual birthday, but like the weekend of his birthday. And like the PS5 does not make him feel better about my absence, but I tried it. But um, it makes you feel better, which is even yeah, grosser yeah, if you I think about it. it. Yeah. 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 But 2020 taught me to, if I hate something and I don't want it anymore, not to do it anymore. So I got an email about a wedding on June 12th in Arizona, beautiful wedding. And it's my sister's birthday. And I said, no, I will not be working on birthdays or anniversaries anymore. My grandmother turned 89 six days before she died. And I had an engagement session. And I love that couple. I love them now. And I think they'll be in my life for a really long time. Like I built a good relationship with them. But if I could go back in time, would I shoot that engagement session instead of missing two hours of her birthday party six days before she died? no way. There's no way. And I need to let that kind of stuff inform how I move going forward. And so, and, and I, I will say this, I a hundred percent understand that my boundaries come from a place of privilege because I've built my business to this level where I can say, even if I don't work in July and August, I'll make enough money. Even if I don't work on birthdays, I'll make enough money. I acknowledge that. And so there is a level of hustle that needs to go into creating something for yourself where you can make those kind of kinds of declarations and boundaries where you say, I'm not working on Labor Day unless you give me $18,000 minimum. That, that takes time, obviously. But I do think that that is a goal to strive for. And I do think the boundaries that I'm making for myself, never working another family birthday and um, you know, the, those limits are going to make me better at the weddings I do take. Mm, that's beautifully put. I mean, I, um, I guess I'll say this, I, we've, we've kind of gotten to ex exactly where I was hoping we really would, it, which is to say like, yes, your work is remarkable. Um, it's so cool that, you know, yeah, yes, you've, you've, you've got an ambassador spot from, from Nikon and, and you're a part of everything cool that they do, regardless of how I feel about it. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a jab. Um, but, but, you know, yes, like you've, you've accomplished all of the things like when you get on the Facebook groups for, you know, like intro beginner wedding photographers, right? Like you've, you've accomplished it. 
But then simultaneously, you've also lived this beautiful life where you have traveled and you've learned and you've, you've grown and you have kids and a husband and a home and you have all of these other things that need to be celebrated. And, uh, and I just think it's really special that you've, you've kind of gotten yourself to a point, even if it took you, and I, and I mean this sincerely, even if it took you getting hives um, <laughs> to, to get to the point where you say like, okay. I'm now going to prioritize spending all of this time and these resources that I've invested in. Yeah. And that, that is like, it's a beautiful place to be. And it's something that I think we could all really learn from uh, because so often these, these podcasts are about, they're about the up level. They're about the upcharge. It's a, it's about the, you know, the bait and switch and how to make more money from your albums. And, and don't get me wrong, Charmy, I, I want to know all of that stuff, but then at the same time, I don't, I just, I want to know how to be a better dad and to be a better friend. Uh, I want to know how to sit on the floor and wait for my kids to walk through the door every day. Like, like you just did. And, uh, like that's the good stuff. So thank you for sharing that with us. I think, I think that in the back of all our minds, we kind of know that like photographer is not all we are artist is not all we are, but, and it's a bummer maybe that it took all of this to get me where I am now, but, uh, yeah, definitely the reprioritizing of everything is, I'm very excited about it. Oh, we're, we're, uh, traveling so much with the kids next year. I'm like really excited about it. I'm just like, we're taking the kids on a Tanzania safari. Oh, geez. So cool. Yeah. And like, um, we're just, I just, I want to watch them watch that. Yeah. Right. So to see the photos of that, if I'm honest. Okay. So, so tell tell us then professionally speaking, what, what, what can we look forward to though from you? Because I, you, every time I think I, I, let me preface this. Every time that I sit with artists who have sort of reestablished boundaries around themselves, yeah. they, they end up reigniting this creative passion. So it's got to already be lit. So where, when, when do we get to cash in on this? So, uh, so already just knowing that I only have to shoot 10 to 12 weddings next year, 12, it's 12. But <laughs> already knowing that I only have to shoot 12 weddings next year, I've always wanted to have like a, a studio brand that is more like with a fashion lighting twist, not with a, not with like what you expect from a studio, no yeah. fake sets, no, you know, like the printed backgrounds, like none of that. Like I want to, I want to have something that, makes me feel like I'm shooting editorials every weekend, except not every weekend, like Monday through Thursday. (laughs) So, so I'm already playing with that. I'm like very excited about that. And I think there's ways to expand as a photographer and do things that I um, wanted to do, but like never had time to do. Yeah. Like I shoot weddings. And so I've never had time to pursue any other style of anything I like doing. Um, And uh yeah, that's like the big the big thing that I plan to grow, I think, for a little while is like, and, and I never, oh, I, <laughs> I also decided I'm never shooting a newborn ever again, ever, Congratulations. never. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I always got guilted into it. Like a former bride would be like, come shoot my newborn. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, um, but no, now I never have to do that again. And there's something about like, I'm never going to do these things I don't like again that make room for like, I've always wanted to shoot like fashion maternity or family, but like with a fashion twist, like editorial feeling, not just, you know, um, and now I have time for that. So I'm going to give that, I'm going to give that a shake and we'll see what happens. Really, really, really cool. Um, okay. We've, we've been recording for an hour. (laughs) We haven't, we haven't talked about your camera or your presets oh, or your I plug in. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, upcoming workshop series or, or whatever else. Um, and, uh, it's refreshing. 
It's this funny. Is, As an ambassador, is... I'm bad at popping things. Um, <laughs> is it? I is that I I'm I'm curious. This is a sidebar here. Is that even requested of you? No, it's not. But okay. I do feel like a lot of people are very like they I think a lot of people stay like on brand and on message at all times. And I almost think it works in my favor that I don't because yeah. that stuff's a given, right? Like you can look it up. It's on my website. Like I told you I'm an icon ambassador. Now they know like the, the products that make my life easier are cool. Um, but I think it's more like me, the work I'm producing that are the evidence. Like yeah. without that, none of the brand logos mean anything. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't I totally like, agree. yeah. I don't like talking about the, I'm not saying that I won't talk about gear. I love talking about lighting specifically. It's really fun for me to talk, like deconstruct a photo and stuff um, and talk shop for work. But in general, I'd rather focus on this. Yeah, I love it. I, I feel the exact same way. I mean, you know, I, I, I live a really similar life to yours. And so that's why I asked that question because I'm like, man, over on the, uh, on the Fujifilm team, there's never there's never even a request. It's, it's interesting how, but, but also we are, let's just call it what it is. We're like the, uh, um, I was going to say something super cool, how we're like the, like the back alley gang of, but it's really more like, we're like the glee, the glee club of, uh, of, of photographers. Um, you just always see Fujifilm photographers are always smiling and I don't know why it is. We're just always stupid and happy. So they're just really nice. Um, nice of them but they're really nice yeah um i will say during the pandemic nikon was particularly like you know obviously everyone was under the gun but they went out of their way to make sure that like i was okay checking on me like you good you can be okay you need some work you okay (laughs) um and that made me feel that made me feel like i never got i never got an email from them being like hey we need you to do some things for us you know, like keep our brand alive in this time. Every communication I had from them was you going, you good. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm glad that I've, I'm glad that that's the relationship I have with the people I work with. Yeah. That's really special. That's really, really cool. Um, okay. Well, Charmy, I am like, I'm super grateful for your time. Um, and I, and I don't want to take too much of it, but, um, you know, obviously we're going to put in, in the show notes and in on everything ways that people can interact with you and, uh, and follow and just see your work. Um, guys, I, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say that, um, whether you shoot multicultural weddings or you shoot newborns, whatever it is that you, that you do with a camera in your hands, um, I can promise you that there are elements of, of Charmy's work that, uh, that would and should probably inspire the way that you're doing it. Um, is there anything that you have going on that we, uh, you know, kind of as a community can support or get behind? Are you, uh, are you up to anything new and exciting right now? I've been trying to keep it low key for a little bit. Um, I know, I do... but I like to be the first one. I like to drop it. <laughs> I will Jared, be a- can we edit in a foghorn right here, please? <laughs> I will be at imaging this year. Um, it'll be my first time ever being there. Um, I'm told it's a very different vibe than what I'm used to at like WPPI. Um, it'll be my, my first time. And, I, and actually, I'm going to be talking about reinvigorating your love for wedding photography. And, and some of it will be about boundaries and some of it will be about inspiration and creativity and I don't know. It won't be technical. I will say that (laughs) it's, it's going to be about, you know, what I lived and and how I came out on the other side and how I think that could be useful to, I think, you know, obviously we had this like big shared experience where we didn't have any work for a year. And then I think it kind of went two ways. Some people have really struggled in 2021 and some people have been extremely overwhelmed. And I think either way, we need a refresh and a reset before we go into 2022. So anyway, that's what it's about. Um, and that's kind of all that's up. I, I did have a lighting workshop that was rescheduled before COVID and I haven't rescheduled it yet. And if I do, I'll let you know. <laughs> cool. 
Cool. Okay. Well, Charmy, thank you so, so much for, for being on here. I, uh, I just, I freaking look up to you so much and, uh, and it's just super special to me to be able to, I don't know, to be able to randomly write you every, every, you know, four or five or six months and just say like, Hey, how you doing? And, um, and be able to catch up and, and hear that, you know, after, especially after like a really rough year, um, that, that you've, that you've learned lessons that I, that I want to learn right alongside you. So, uh, thanks for sharing those with us and, uh, and good luck with your weird hives situation. <laughs> uh, we might have a solution in a couple of weeks. We'll see. <laughs> the end of weddings. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's probably the one. Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, end the broadcast and, uh, and say goodbye but I'm sad to do it, which means we probably already need to schedule another one in which you break down all of your coolest lighting tips and tricks just for me. (laughs) We could do that, but I'm going to sit in front of my Christmas tree next time. (laughs) Can we do that? Can we really do that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm down. Oh my gosh. Okay, awesome. All right, girl. Well, I will see you soon, okay? Um, And uh, and you guys that are listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Again, uh, my name is Miles Whit Boyer, and uh, and this has been a whole hour brain dump, um, deep dive with Charmy Patel Pena, um, who is just a dream to hang out with and and call a friend. And uh, y'all, it's uh, it's halfway through the week at this point, so if you don't do something good in the next couple of days you're going to have wasted another one. So get back at it. 